Good morning, guys. Well, you guys have been preparing for this for a while. We've been talking about it for a couple weeks, and it's just an incredible honor of mine, and I hope you guys are excited. This is the most powerful thing that we do. Um, this morning, we get to do child dedications. It's our time to do child dedications, and if you've never been a part of the service, it's something that's incredible. So I'm going to ask Neil, our community life pastor, to come up and with him, the families, and as I just kind of tell you guys a little bit about what today looks like and what today is. Um, Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'll scoot up. Oh, man. I love this. Uh, I, I just remember it was like yesterday. I was standing up here with my boy, and what a powerful time this was. Um, this is not baptisms. We believe here that baptisms comes later. It's when you make a personal decision to follow Christ and celebration of that. What this is are these families standing up here, these parents with their, pre- oh, my goodness, <laughs> with their precious children, their precious babies, and we get to recognize that children are gifts, aren't they? I mean, our God gives good gifts. Look at these beautiful kids up here. Our God gives good gifts, and as the parents that we get to say, essentially, that we are giving God's children to himself, that we are dedicating them back to him. I mean, they're his, really, right? We just have the opportunity to get to raise them and to love them, and our, our role is to guide these kids back to their true father. So today is just symbolic of saying that we dedicate this child's life. We're here to support these kids and to guide them back to their true father. Raspberry's going on back there. <laughs> All right, I want to read um, a quick verse. Proverbs 22.6. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. All right, so this is the start. This is setting the trajectory. And this is saying that we are, we are starting now to claim our child's lives for God and that we recognize our role is to guide them to their father. The other thing I love in this verse is that it says the way they should go. We have very different, very beautiful babies up here, and we as parents get to recognize that every single kid is different. Right? There's not a one-size-fits-all parenting thing. And what an incredible opportunity as parents to get to recognize how God has uniquely crafted our children and the role that he has our children play here. And that is just um, something that's beautiful and powerful. This morning is also a time, there's a reason you guys are here. Um, and this morning is a charge for us. You guys have heard that it takes a village to raise a child, right? And so we are out here and we're saying that we are with you right? We, we are in agreement with this. We, we agree with what's going on, and we want to charge that we will be there to surround these families, to surround these parents with support and love. And as they guide the best they can, as they guard their children to Christ, that we come around them as their support system and say, we're here for you. So an incredibly powerful time. I want to now um, introduce Neil, our community life pastor, so he can lead this. Well, I'll first introduce to you the community part of your family. First we have Jeff and Courtney. And this is Jackson. He does the raspberries. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And Alan and Angela, their daughter Brielle. We have Jason and Shannon and Noah. Hey buddy. The big guy. We have Paul and Ashley and Landon. Yeah. And Rick and Jennifer and their daughter Aviana. Oh, she's pretty. <laughs> hey, dedication. We have, we have examples of parents 
dedicating their children to the Lord. Mm. Hannah brought Samuel to the temple and dedicated him to the Lord. And look how God used Samuel. Joseph and Mary, they brought baby Jesus to the temple and dedicated him to the Lord. So we have precedence in this that you are dedicating this child to the Lord and he will honor that. Mm. So you are also here to dedicate your children to the Lord. So with that, in faith and in prayer, we're going to pray this blessing and pray as a community over your children with you that the Lord would not only bless the children but help you to raise these children in a Christian home. So in, in you, as part of the village, extend a hand as I pray. You're agreeing with my prayer and you're also saying to them, we're with you. Mm. So Heavenly Father, I pray for these children, these families right now, as they are bringing these, their children to you, that you would receive them in your hand, that you would put your hand upon them and bless them their entire life. I pray that you would help these parents as they, as they wake up in the morning and as they go along their day, in the morning and at night, that they would be telling their children about you and walking with you, what that looks like. And right now, I wanna pray for Jackson. I pray for health and wisdom and all spiritual blessings. And for Brielle, I pray for health, wisdom, and all spiritual blessings. And Noah, the same. Health, wisdom, and all spiritual blessings. And I pray for Landon, for health, wisdom, and all spiritual blessings. And for little Aviana, I pray for health, wisdom, and all spiritual blessings. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everyone said? Amen. 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 Oh, what? that vest. Do they make baby cummerbunds? That would be sweet. <clears throat> uh, how powerful is that? It's impossible to go wrong now. This service is already awesome. This can totally tank, and it's like the best service of all time already. <clears throat> That's awesome. Uh, all right, let's pray really quickly. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for this morning. We trust that you are going to speak this morning. Every single person in here, your desire is to speak an individual message. Get a hold of us this morning. We trust you and we love you and we look forward to just understanding your truths. In your name, amen. 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 So we're in the series, The Pursuit of Happiness. And <clears throat> Pursuit of Happiness, the series has been just like a total mind transformation. Yeah, I was explaining to somebody the other day the impact that this message or this series has had on me. And my best way to describe it was that my life and my mentality had just kind of settled. You know, I was thinking like a snow globe, right? Everything just kind of settled. And then the series is just shaking the tar out of it and just turn things upside down. And which, if you've been with us and gone through this series, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus' most famous sermon of all time. And coincidentally, it did the exact same thing to society back then. 
So Jesus was talking on the Sermon on the Mount to, to two types of people, people who are far from God and who have misconceptions about God, and to the ultra-religious types, you know, that are just comfortable in their religious routine. And he's talking to both, and same thing. He just takes society and shakes it up, and we learn these totally mind-altering, life-changing truths that are just almost hard to comprehend. We've looked in the series, and we've learned things like peace doesn't necessarily mean comfort, right? Or we've learned that um, we actually have to rely on broken people to grow spiritually, just crazy things that Jesus is telling us. And so we're continuing today in the Sermon on the Mount, and I truly believe that what we're going over today is one of the most exciting components of walking with Christ. I believe that. This morning is one of the most exciting things. It's one of the things that, that draws people to try out church. Right? The, the intrigue of today's topic is what draws people in, and people are like, all right, take a chance. I'll try out church. I'll try out God. However, today's topic is also probably the number or the quickest thing given up on by Christians. You know, it's definitely the biggest lip service topic in Christianity. And I think that people talk a big game when it comes to today's issue, but the actual you know, hope and belief the practice of it are extremely rare. This morning, we get to talk about power. Power. Powerful lives, right? So power in life and the sin that we battle. Power in our relationship with God and the stagnation that we battle, right? And the most fun, power in God's miracles being done on earth, and the complacency that we battle. Right. And so, if you are new here, right, if this is your first, maybe this is your first time today ever to church ever, and you're like, powerful living, like dial it back a shade. That sounds intense and heavy, and I just kind of came for, you know, the cute kids and a picture and a calendar, and I'm out. I get it. But I want to let you know that nobody this morning is discounted from this message. In fact, receive this this morning, guys. Receive this. This is to every single person. Relish this truth. Everybody in here, you have been specifically designed to make a unique impact on the world and on the people around you. The children up here this morning, right, dedicated by their families, God has specifically designed these kids to make a unique impact on the world and on the people around them. We are specifically designed for something, all right? So as we talk about power this morning, recognize that God wants to talk to you. There's possibility this morning of living with power no matter where you are on the scope of things, okay? So God is going to speak to us directly on this issue today. And he's actually going to give us a fast track we're going to go over this fast track to how we can see God's miracles and blessings and life change and power poured out into our lives and poured out into our city. It's an exciting message today, so stick with it. Um, here it is, okay? This is, this is the Cliff's Notes given by Jesus, the Cliff's Notes of how to see power in your life. You ready? As soon as I read this, you're going to blink twice and it's just going to be game over. 
Okay, here's the verse. Cliff's notes on power. Matthew 7, starting in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? All right, you feeling powerful? Right? Feeling powerful? Yeah. Like, is that it? What? Is that? That's the power verse? You know, I was expecting like an eight-minute abs DVD, you know, or a cape or something. Like, send me out. Where's my power? All right, so the, I get it. First glance, this passage is a little maybe underwhelming, but the goal, the hope, is that today, by the end of today, this passage is going to come alive in such a way that we're going to read this verse from now on when we hear these words, and we're going to instantly snap to this place where we think anything is possible. That's the goal for today, that this comes alive in that sort of way, all right? So let's break this down a little bit. God gives us three commands inside of this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. So number one, the first command, ask. Ask. What we're saying that asking is, is recognizing we have a need, recognizing we have need. Inside of your bulletins, you'll have an outline if you want to fill in those blanks. Also, I encourage you guys to take some notes today. Take this back and pour over this with God. He'll give you truths about today's message. But asking is recognizing we have a need. Very simple, okay? So whether it's spiritual, emotional, or physical, we recognize we have a need. It's saying that we are not self-reliant, right? So if I told you guys right now, you can ask God for things, you can ask God for things. If you're anything like me, instantly I have about 48 questions about that. I can ask God for things. I wrote down some of the questions. Maybe you resonate with these. How do I hear an answer? How do I ask? What do I ask for? Right? Big things, small things. Why do I have to ask? Isn't he God? Why do I have to ask? How do I know if he hears me? What if he doesn't answer? Do I even know if he heard me, or what do I do now? You, know, so there, you see, we could probably spend about 17 years on this topic, right? But I'm just guessing somebody in here has something planned for the next 17 years. So because of that, thanks a lot, whoever you are. Because of that, this morning, we're going to do an Ask God Starter Kit. All right? Ask God Starter Kit. But here's the promise. The promise is that what we go over today is going to give you the foundation to see life-changing things happen through your prayer. All right? What we go over today, it will give you the foundation to see life-changing things happen through your prayer. All right, so we're going to dissect one of these questions because it gives us a ton of insight to who God is. The question is, why does God want us to ask? Why does God want us to ask? It's a command in this passage. He says, ask and it will be given to you. In James 4.2, you do not have because you do not ask. You've heard that. You have not because you ask not. So God is telling us to ask. Why? I'll tell you why not. This is not the reason. The reason is not so that we can tell God what we need. Right? We are not informing God about anything. 
Actually, it says in Matthew 6, 8 that your father knows what you need before you ask. Right? So we're not telling him. So even more then, why? Why do we ask? And this is just beautiful, incredible insight into the passion and desire of God, the answers to this question. Why do we ask? The reasons we're going to go through, there are a couple reasons, and every single one is relational. It's relational. God wants more than anything else to have the closest, most intimate relationship possible with his children. That's what he wants before anything else. And he knows that us asking him brings us closer to him. Right? It's not just hoops that we have to jump through. It's not just to make things harder on us. Right? He, he recognizes that us drawing to him and asking actually strengthens our relationship with him. So we're going to go over a couple reasons why we ask, but no, under, all of them fall under this guise of um, relationship. Number one reason, why do we ask? Why do we have to ask? Asking is supposed to fortify our trust in our Father. Asking is supposed to fortify our trust in our Father. I love this. So here's what's supposed to happen when we ask. Okay? We ask God, and it says, ask and it will be given to you. We ask, and God is faithful and good, and he responds to our prayers. And we trust God as being faithful and good. And then we ask, and God is faithful again and answers our prayers. And it's building our trust, and we trust more, and we see that God is faithful and good. And we ask more, and God continues to honor and to be faithful and to answer our prayers. And so this trust begins to grow and grow, and we pack on more layers of trust until eventually we have this impenetrable trust force that is surrounding our relationship with God, right? My wife, Kristen, has about nine or ten prayer journals, and each one has hundreds of pages in it, and they're totally full. There are thousands of prayers in these journals that God has been faithful and answered. So when she hears a lie from the enemy, like, God doesn't care about you. God doesn't answer your prayers. She reads back through these thousands of answered prayers and these lies. They don't even have a chance to penetrate that trust, right? She's like, I know better. My trust is strengthened and grows as God answers my prayer. And so we actually see inside of this that our prayers should be characterized by trust. Some of us can stop right there, huh? Would you say that your prayers are characterized by trust? Or prayers more kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know? More just obligatory. More just routine, before meals, more monotonous. Are our prayers characterized by trust? Matthew 21, verse 22 says, And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith, if you have trust. There's a book called Systematic Theology, and it says it this way. I love the way it phrases this. God, as our Father, loves being trusted by his children. If we ask in humble dependence, don't you love that? If we ask in humble dependence, that says that we are genuinely convinced of God's wisdom, love, goodness, and power. 
So when we ask and God answers our prayers, it actually fortifies, it strengthens our trust in our Father. Second reason, why do we ask? is a big one. Asking moves God's heart and allows us as humans to be involved in activities that are eternally important. Whoa, baby. That's the big one. That's, that's intimidating, isn't it? That's intimidating to think that depending on how I ask and depending on what I ask for, I can be involved in matters of eternal impact that I otherwise wouldn't have been involved in if I hadn't asked. Holy smokes. What does that prayer look like? How do I even start that prayer? Starter kit, baby. God tells us. Here we go. Very simply, 1 John 5, 14 through 15, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So if we ask according to his will, I don't know about you, but that's still a little bit intimidating. God, I don't know if we're on the same wavelength or not, but I've got like a human brain. I've got a very feeble mind. How in the heck am I supposed to know what an omnipotent God's will is? Right? A couple of weeks ago, Caleb was, we were talking in the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus actually teaches us how to pray. He goes through a prayer, and it's, we, we know it was the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you've heard it. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If today you realize that there isn't a lot of power in your prayer life, there's not a lot of life change in your prayer life, there's a chance that it's because our prayers are self-focused are self-absorbed, right? James 4, 3, actually James 4, 2, the preceding verse is, you have not because you ask not. The very next verse, James 4, 3 says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions, right? But look at the flip side of this. If our desire, if what stirs us up, if our outcry, if what we're most passionate about in life is God, your kingdom come. God, your will be done. If we wake up in the morning and that's our desire, God's kingdom coming, that means that God's perfect grace is poured out on his people. God's kingdom is his desire to have an individual relationship with every single person here, every single person on earth. That's God's kingdom coming. God, your will be done. We see your unique creations. We see the roles that you are writing. We see the story that you're writing for earth, us as children, to be pointed back to you. If that's our passion, God, your kingdom come, God, your will be done. And we start asking big, huge, crazy, insane, gnarly things according to that will. Woo, baby. Right? Things are about to get rowdy up in here. One of my favorite quotes of all time is by C.S. Lewis. And he said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. 
We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We are far too easily pleased. A couple weeks ago in junior high, we had a breakout time in the beginning. And they just all get into groups. And the breakout time, we said, we want you guys to dream this morning. We want you to dream a little bit this morning. Actually, I think the way that I phrased it was, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you dream? Nobody answered for a while, so I thought I'd help them out. Big Graham, going to help them out. That's awesome. And I go, I want to see 200 kids in junior high. Almost instantly, I'm cut off by a kid who goes, I want to cure cancer. Then another kid goes, I want to ride a Pegasus. I was like, whoa. <laughs> that escalated quickly. That... All right. Here's the sad part, right? Here's the sad part. And this is just, this sucks. And that moment, you know what I wanted to say? You know what phrase I wanted to say? Let's bring it back to, oh man, does that hurt your heart? Let's bring it back to reality. You know what my reality is shaped from? My reality is shaped from disappointments, confusion, right? daring to dream and then experiencing loss. And because of all of that confusion and brokenness, my huge, crazy, big, audacious dream is 200 kids in a room. Wah, wah, right? It's embarrassing to even say. And I could have in that moment said, all right, let's bring it back to reality, and I'm so glad that I didn't. Because something just hit me with that kid's answer. I want to ride a Pegasus. <laughs> Holy smokes. Instead of saying, all right, let's bring it back to reality, I said, good. Stay there. Stay in that realm. Stay that big. Because I just have to believe if we worship a God who breathes stars, if we worship the God that keeps our solar system in motion, that God and his biggest desire is to have a personal relationship with his children on earth, if that's the case and all he wants is for his goodness and his patience and his peace poured out on earth and he's a big God, I have to believe that on the scope of things, God's will is closer to writing a Pegasus than it is 200 people in a room. Now, I'm not saying we're all going to wake up in the morning riding Pegasus, just to be clear. Don't send me an email when you don't wake up with a Pegasus, Godfather style. Um, we actually went over you know, the difference between self-serving dreams, kingdom-minded dreams, okay? But still, we have to recognize that God wants us to ask for big things. We serve a very big God who wants to show off his glory and power, and he wants to do it through his children here on earth. All right, final reason. Final reason why we ask God. It's a relational component again. It's to know God better. To know God better. All right, and this leads us to our next section. So first was asking, recognizing that we have a need. The next is seek. Seek, and we're saying seek is asking plus action. 
Asking plus action, right? So it implies that we do something about it. I wrote, it's an intense effort put forth in trying to find God's answers. Key into this, an intense effort put forth in trying to find God's answers. Not to determine if God likes us or not. Not to determine if God accepts or rejects us. Not even to determine if God hears us, right? I'm going to read it again. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him, okay? So when we pray, it's not to say, does God like me or not? Or not? I'm going to ask for a Dr. Pepper on the table. God, give me Dr. Pepper on the table. Okay, he doesn't like me. That's not it. It is something much cooler than that. Much cooler. Because based on how God answers our prayers, based on how he answers, we get insight into God's will. We get insight into God's character. We get insight into God's vision for earth based on how he answers We learn about God. We get to know him better, how he moves, how he thinks, how he acts. Not an accepting or rejection. We ask to learn, right? When I was first dating Kristen, I would ask questions to learn about her. Not to find out if she accepts or rejects me. (laughs) We know she accepts me. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Come on. Right? But I would ask questions to learn. We'd go to Carl's Jr., and I would say, hey, do you want tomatoes on your burger? And she'd say, no. And I didn't go, well, why don't you like me? That's, no. It's to learn. So we're going to ask God things, and then we seek. We put an effort forth to look, to see how he's answering our prayers. And based on how he answers, we get to learn about him. That's such a cool. And another cool component is the more we learn about God, the more our prayers fall in line with his will. You know? Um, where are we? Got it. All right, so the next verses are kind of explaining this in our original passage. Matthew 7, we're going to go down to verse 9 now. Or what, You guys are probably wondering what this part was about. Here we go. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This is continuing to learn about God and what he wants, right? We had some first-time parents up here today. I'm a first-time parent. My, my boy is just over two, right? I'm not an expert by any means in parenting, okay? But I have some wisdom, I've got some experience. I know better than my son what's good for him, right? And I'm no Dr. Laura Schlesinger, but I know that my kids shouldn't be licking electrical outlets, you know? <laughs> I got, maybe I'll write a book. It'll be one sentence. You're welcome. I know that. So God gives this very basic, very fundamental parental metaphor to us, okay? God says... Um, Jesus says, what father, when his kid asks for fish, gives him a snake? Very basic, right? All right, Graham, here we go. I know you're not the brightest bulb in the chandelier here, but fish good, snake bad. 
fish good, snake bad. I'm like, got it, right? Okay, parenting expert. And here, here's the cool thing. It goes a little bit further. It's to say that with as much clarity as we can see that fish is good and snake is bad, with that same level of clarity, God knows what's best for us. This is something comforting. God knows better than us what we want. God knows better than us what we want. We ask for some outlandish things, and sometimes even thinking that we're in God's will, right? And God can see through that, and he can see what we want. Maybe we ask for, God, just give me an expensive sports car, right? And I may even think, that's, that's in your will. God, give me an expensive sports car. And because my God is, has eternal perspective and clarity on what's good for me, he says, Graham, brother, you are not asking for an expensive sports car. You're asking for value. Or God, just give me a raise, right? $20,000 a year. That's what I'm looking for. And he says, brother, Graham, what you want is a feeling of security. What you want is a feeling of provision. And with his eternal perspective, I think God recognizes that actually if we got the things that we verbally spoke out, if we got everything that we thought that we wanted, it would be the same as giving his children a snake when they ask for fish. We talked a second ago, why does God answer prayer? It's the relational component, right? He answers prayer to bring us closer to him. Why in tarnation would he give us something that draws us further from him? If he gives me something that makes me less reliant on him, what the heck sense does that make? God only gives good gifts. And he gives us gifts that draw us, his children, to him. Um, final point, final command is knock. Knock. It's asking plus action plus persistence. Asking plus action plus persistence. When do you knock on a door? You knock on a door when you're trying to get someone's attention, right? You knock on a door when you're trying to get a response, when you're trying to get an answer. And so knocking isn't just asking and sitting back and waiting and saying, all right, God, I prayed once. We're going to kind of chill here until everything's settled. Just let me know when to step back in. Right? God is saying to ask for big, crazy, audacious things. And then the whole theme for the Sermon on the Mount is pursue him. Pursue him. That's the power of our lives. I actually titled today's sermon, The Power of Pursuit. We pursue God. He says, knocking is persistence to find out where God is blessing what we've asked. So we say, God, I, I believe I'm, I'm in your will, right? I, I want your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm asking in accordance with that. And then we knock and say, is this where it look? Is this where it's happening? Is this where you've called me? Is this where it comes to fruition? All right, is this what it looks like? God, I'm still praying. I feel like you're calling me to this. You've given me this dream and I'm going to persist. I'm going to keep knocking. Now? Now? Are you going to do it now? Are we there yet? Right. And God's promise is when we ask big, when we seek to know him and seek to see his answers, and we persist in asking, we persist in knocking, he promises, knock, and the door will be opened to you. And that, that, guys, is when miracles happen.
That is when breakthrough happens. On the back of your outline, um, I actually wrote a spot for dreams this morning. A spot for dreams. And in a second, the band is going to come up and they're going to play and we're going to just have a little bit of time to let God inspire some dreams. But I wanted to call something out first before it happens. Because back when I said that my dream was 200 kids in a room, there's a reason that that was the answer. That was the reason, there's a reason that was my dream. And full disclosure here, the reason I spoke out 200 kids is because I can get 200 kids in a room. I can. I know the right people to talk to. I can give away iPads as a gift, you know. I can get 200 kids in a room. I don't even need God to do it. I can do it all my own strength. And I would just guess that a lot of us, the dreams that we dare to speak out are such that if we don't feel God is blessing it, we can pull some strings, we can work a little bit harder, we can spend a little bit extra money, and we can make it happen so that we're not embarrassed and to save God the black eye. Right? Here's where big things happen. Here's where big things happen. A little illustration. How many hundreds of times a day do we do this? We sit down and we trust that the chair or the stool is going to hold us, right? I didn't walk up and make sure there weren't any cracks, no load-bearing test, right? I didn't ease onto it. I just sat down. Now, if that thing was cracked or broken, I'd fall, right? Here's a question. How many dreams do you have that you're pushing for that if God didn't show up, you'd fall? How many dreams do you have that if God didn't show up, you'd fall? Because listen, if there aren't any, then we're not relying on God at all. Our lives are completely self-sufficient. We are completely self-reliant. I don't know about you, but I want to be used for incredibly impactful things. And so today, we're going to have an opportunity to ask big. I want you guys to ask audacious things, things that are so crazy that you're almost like shielding it from the person next to you. You're embarrassed you wrote it down, right? I don't care if it's naive. Allow yourself to dream big. Because when his children, when God's children ask big, bold things, in accordance with his will, when we seek to find out how he's answering and we persist in prayer, I just have a feeling that a couple months down the road, you guys are going to come back and you're going to say, you won't believe what God did. He's waiting. He's waiting for a church to take that step. This morning, write a big dream. Let God inspire you.